Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, Fringes of the Faith. I'm Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor at Capstone Church, and I'm here with Parky Coburn, our senior pastor here at Capstone Church in Fort Worth, Texas. How are you today, Parky? I'm doing well. How are you, Pastor Paul? I'm doing good. Well, you know, uh, in this episode, uh, I think we're going to talk about an interesting uh, subject here, and it it has uh, to do with the church. Now, we mentioned something in one of the podcasts that we did previously, and and you made a statement about the church being in crisis. And, uh, you know, if you missed that, I encourage you guys to go back and and watch the podcast, watch all of them. I mean, I think there's some interesting topics uh, because this is where we talk about the obscure things in our faith, some of those things that are in the Bible that we don't really have a whole lot of time to go into during our normal services. So today, though, today we're going to talk about the church in crisis. And I'd like to get uh, your thoughts and, and you know, you kind of lead us through this discussion. So what does it mean to say the church is in crisis? Well, I think that what that means is the church is suffering from uh, a lack of credibility. Mm. And, you know, uh, some of that uh, is a product of the times in the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of people out there, and especially I think some of uh, some of our younger generations, they they have just uh, grown up learning not to trust organizations in general. That most organizations are just after power and money, but the church's desires and you know its desire for for fame, uh, its desire for influence, its desire for money and popularity, and other things like that have have uh, you know, corrupted our motives and, and our purpose, for lack of a better term. And so even though there's a, a lack of trust in organizations in general out there, uh, we ourselves, I believe, have contributed to the fact that, that we're just suffering from a lack of credibility. Well, it's interesting because there's a book out that you and I both have read. Mm-hmm. It's called The Integrity Crisis, and it was published in 1988. And even back then, um, the author talked about the church and its propensity to lose its integrity um, based on pride, greed, sex, popularity. Um, some of the things that you're, you're describing that are still occurring today, why, why do you think that is? How come the church hasn't learned its lesson? Well, I think, to be fair, let, let me back up for a second. To be fair, I think that through the years we have put in some better measures of accountability and things there in in many, many instances, but um, human nature is still human nature. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we don't have, if the church, when I say we, I mean the church, if the church doesn't have its definition of success defined biblically, then it's going to be shooting at the wrong target. And, that's inevitably going to lead us uh, to the use of methods uh, that are not going to to be godly. And so uh, I think that's why we're still struggling. And, and part of it, I believe, is just because we're still confused over what our definition of success in the kingdom of God really is as the church. Um, I think also, too, when you when you look at today's church, especially in the Western culture, the Americanized uh, church, um, you look at it and it's almost like, um, 
we're, we're pretending to be something that we're not. And the other word for that is hypocrisy. And I think that's one of the main issues that young people, especially today, look at um, when they decide if they're even going to even go to church or not, is they automatically have this preconceived idea that, well, it's full of a bunch of hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the world is ripe with hypocrisy right now. Uh, certainly the church doesn't uh, have the market cornered on hypocrisy. Uh, you know, that the, the cornered market's probably in Washington, D.C. right now, but uh, that was supposed to be a joke. But anyway, um, and I don't mean just in the new administration. I just mean in Washington in general. But uh, uh, I, I agree with you. I think the issue uh, that we have is uh, we've lost credibility. The church was never called to be perfect is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we'll ever be perfect this side of heaven. I think we'll grow. But I don't think we'll ever be perfect. But we still can be credible. In other words, uh, when we do mess up, we can admit it. We can correct and change, and and shoot for better, higher goals, biblical goals. And um, and I think when we fall short of that uh, that transparency, uh, when we are when we are have messed up, when we have it, and our uh, mess ups have become visible or even if they're not visible to everybody we are being slow to to really make the changes that we need to make we've become good at covering up a a lot of our problems and issues and we need to be truly repentant and so you you mentioned something earlier about you know the church using methods that are ungodly and you know um i think a lot of that has to do with this culture of consumerism that we have here in the West where, you know, we want what we want. We want the way we want it. We want it when we want it. And we want it the way we like. It's like the Burger King, right? Um, You get it the way you want it. And I I think that the church um, is guilty. um, And and I'm not throwing stones. I've been in, in, in this as well, but of trying to accommodate those conveniences for people, um, trying to attract them. And and there's nothing wrong with trying to attract people into the church, but if you're using the culture to attract people to church, then what are you going to use to keep them in the church? Well, there's an old saying that said, says that you uh, have to use the same thing that was used to, to uh, catch them with, you have to use to keep them with. Mm. And, you know, when you're talking about consumerism, uh, okay, or, or promotion or advertising, um, then the ways and the methods, when you're going to advertise, then you think about what's the best way and the best method to get the message out there to as many people as possible. And I think that in some ignorance, and uh, we've made some mistakes that were not in t- intentional, uh, but we've used some methods and we've advertised to try to catch people uh, by certain methods that I, I don't think have uh, helped us whatsoever. In other words, what I'm trying to say is I believe it's changed us a little bit. It's changed us from wh- who we are called to be to be something that's more attractive to people out there. And, and when we do that, I think we begin to lose a little bit of who we are. 
Well, that's that's uh, you know that's dangerous territory, uh, not just for the church, but for the leaders of the church, um, for pastors, um, and for for churchgoers, uh, because. When, when we get into that territory of it's changing us and now we're starting to lose uh, the credibility issue, um, that turns people away. That turns uh, people that may have been searching for God. It turns them away because it turns, it's kind of like, well, that, I don't really agree with what I see going on over there. So why should I be a Christian? You know, Gandhi once said, he was asked, he said, well, Gandhi, um, why is it that you never converted to Christianity? And you know what his answer was? Mm. Because I know too many of them. <laughs> and so that that's uh, kind of a, an indictment on, you know, how Christianity, especially in, in our culture, has kind of turned on its head a little bit. And then when we talked about conveniences, um, that is that convenience uh, of convenient shopping, that church shopping, I think that that is also an issue and why we're in crisis. Um, because if you're looking for convenience in a church, are you, is that the way the Lord intended the church to be? Did the Lord intend the church to be convenient? No, uh, I, I don't believe so. The church is intended to be a body. It's intended to be a place where the ministry of the Lord uh, and the love of the Lord is uh, is manifest, and uh, most of you that are out there realize and you know that you grow most of the time better in adversity than you do in comfort and convenience. That's right. You know, I call it the inconvenience of maturity, mm. and we're all called according to Scripture to be conformed to the image of Christ to grow up. Now, we're always going to have issues in the church. Uh, there's always going to be things that have to be dealt with. But I don't, I think that we're going to have to go back to the biblical uh, way of choosing churches in the first place. Okay, where am I supposed to go to church, Lord? Where do you want me? Uh, the key is, as the Bible says in the book of Acts, the Lord added to the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not preference, not comfort. Not any of those things. And, uh, you know, we have to get back to hearing the voice of God. Lord, where do you want me to be? Realizing, realizing that where he places us may not be comfortable and it may not even be convenient. There was times in my life where I drove 45 miles to church one way because that's where the Lord told me to go. So uh, we have to get back to the Lord directing us and not our own preferences, likes, and dislikes. Um, so in this book, Integrity Crisis, uh, the author, Wearsby, refers to this kind of preferential treatment and, and this convenience of the church as a means to live on evangelical substitutes. That's an interesting concept. But what it really means is substituting God for convenience and preference. Uh, isn't that a form of idolatry? Well, anytime you substitute God for anything, uh, that is that is idolatry. And I think sometimes uh, we get to the place where when we think we're dealing about issues of the kingdom, things like church selection and and how churches run and all of all of those things like that, we don't think 
many, many times about uh, uh, about our own issues being involved in that or about aspects of idolatry being being involved in that. Uh, you know, we we are often placed by God in challenging situations. And, you know, and everyone else that's out there watching, listening today knows that there is no perfect situation here in the in this earth. So. God knows where he's placing us. He knows he's putting us in an imperfect environment, and he's doing that for a reason, and most of that has to do with maturity. So let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, I think it's okay as the church, because it, it, it involves all of us. It, if one church loses its integrity, then it, it impacts all believers, mm -hmm. uh, because if there's hypocrisy found in one church, then, of course, it's it's almost like well if you've got one bad apple that makes the whole barrel bad right mm -hmm. that's just the way it is that's our imperfect world that we live in but I'd like to talk a little bit about substitution um, some of the things that that the church has the methods that they've been employed uh, as substitutes evangelical substitutes and one of those is the worship experience and I think that um, that is the one of the day. I mean, there have been many, but I think that's the one that's current today is the is this idea of a euphoric worship experience that, you know, people are looking for. And so when they, they don't get that euphoric type experience, then uh, I think that they are equating not feeling that euphoric sense with the spirit not moving or God not being there or some other... Um, you know, something different that they can't really uh, align up with in their own minds. And so they begin to idolize the experience. Does that make sense? Uh, when they when they go to a worship setting and it's, oh, it's this euphoric and, you know, it's very emotional. And and then it's almost like an addiction. They People get addicted to that euphoric, uh, emotional experience. And then that becomes what they're searching for and they are not searching for God's will. Well, I think that part of the reason that that is developing, Pastor Paul, is because there's there's this uh, thought process that we have nowadays. I, I'm not necessarily sure where it came from. It, it's probably been on us for for many, many, many years. But but that that uh, our reality is that uh, if I feel it, it has to be real. If I don't feel it, uh, it's not real. And but, and I don't know if I'm saying this right or not, but a lack of emotion is just as much of an experience as as feeling something. They're they're both experiences, and God walks us through uh, both of those situations to get us where we're not just dependent on emotion. I love emotion as much as the next person. I do. I love emotion. But there have been times in my life where God has walked me through a, a time of obedience to him where, where my emotions were not excited about where I was or about what was going on. And he did that to teach me not to, to depend upon emotion, but to depend upon his word and, and his guidance uh, in my life. And so, you know, I would caution against going by emotion only. 
as a determiner as to whether God's in something or not. That's good. Um, and, and, you know, A.W. Tozer said it very well. He said it appears, this is him speaking uh, many years ago, it appears that too many Christians want to enjoy the thrill of feeling right, but are not willing to endure the inconvenience of living right. And so then you've got this crossover of folks that get addicted to the euphoric emotional experience because it feels right. Mm -hmm. But then when they leave, they go back to the world, back to their jobs, and they go back to this worldly living um, and not really trying to, and I'm I'm not painting a broad stroke here for everybody. I'm just saying that there there is that segment that the church is, is, I believe, is producing um, in error and, and un, unknowingly, probably unwittingly, but they're producing this, this believer, uh, syndrome that you come for the experience. And then when you leave, we're not giving you the tools to, you know, work through the issues and the real challenges of life, the six other days of the week or five other days of the week. Right. Because the fact of the matter is, is, is emotions come and emotions go. That's the way God has created them. If it were not that way, then our emotions would become the Holy Spirit mm. and we would follow them. Uh-huh. So uh, we must uh, be teaching people the primacy of the Word of God and that what God is telling us in first and foremost in His written Word and what he's telling us in in rhema words or spirit-to-spirit words that line up with the written word are what we are to make our decisions on, Uh, not whether we feel good about it, uh, whether we don't feel good about it. Uh, Those things are, are, are really, when you're making spiritual decisions or when you're seeking spiritual growth or insight, those things are, are, are really irre- irrelevant. Mm-hmm. What's relevant is is lining up with the Word of God. And if you do that, yes, at some point in time, emotions will manifest themselves. But it first comes through obedience. Mm-hmm. That's good. And, and you've said it before. You said that uh, if you're not in the Word, if you're not reading your Bible— um, and then you're walking in this faith called Christianity and you're making it up as you go along. If you start listening to, uh, you know, Facebook pastor's opinion or, you know, YouTube preacher's opinions on everything and you're not reading it for yourself, uh, that can get us, <laughs> that can cause confusion. Well, and another danger, you're not just listening to outside influences, but you're listening to your own inside influences. And what I mean by that is, is, uh, you know, the temptation uh, that Satan brought to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden was, you know, uh, you can be like God. You can be like God. Well, if we're not careful, then we can start deifying our idea of what's right and what's wrong and what should be and what shouldn't be. And we can start following that, thinking that God thinks exactly like we do without putting those things next to the word of the Lord and, and trying them out to see if they pass the test of, of truth. And so, um, you know, like you said, outside influences, certainly, but we also have to watch out and be aware of that inside influence as well. Absolutely. 
So let, let's talk a little bit about, because, you know, we mentioned Facebook and YouTube. Let, let's talk a little bit about the impact of the Internet and live streaming and social media has had on the integrity of the church, because mm-hmm. I believe that social media uh, is a significant player in keeping the church in crisis. Um, it, because have you ever seen someone post something you know to have been staged? I mean, you see, you see a post and it's, oh, that's, that was staged. Well, oftentimes I think the online church or live stream church can sometimes feel staged. And, uh, it, and that's not a great way to bring people to a decision about Christ. I, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, video uh, has become the primary substitute for reality in our culture. Um, you know, because we, we, we just think that when we see it, what we see is reality. But video can be edited. Uh, it can be altered. It can be changed. And often it is. I mean, often all the mistakes, all the blips, all the, the things that were done wrong are edited out of the video. And so what you see is a presentation. A video can be edited, but life cannot be edited. And, and so uh, there is no substitute, although video could be an initial way just to get an idea of does somebody preach the word or whatever. It's not, it can't really serve as a substitute uh, for life because it is when you go in real life and experience something in real time that you're able to see see it for what it really is, not what it is presented as. And then there's another issue at hand, too, especially with the advent of social media, um, is the temptation to make a church about the pastor personality rather than the gospel. And unfortunately, some pastors get caught up in this trap. They they become the focus. And, and you know, that can get them in, in some trouble there. Um, because the Bible doesn't does not encourage that type of celebrity pastor approach. As a matter of fact, Acts 10 verse 26 describes Cornelius prostrating himself at the feet of Peter. And when that happened, Peter quickly told him, get up on your feet. I'm just a man. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you look at Paul and, and Barnabas, they refused to be treated like gods. You read that in Acts 14. Um, Acts 12 tells us that when King Herod accepted the worship of men, guess what happened to King Herod? God took him off the planet, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's dangerous to accept the worship of men and people can begin a form of idolatry when they start following a pastor or a leader rather than following Jesus, mm-hmm. because Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way and I am the life. And no one comes to the father except through me, Jesus. So I think um, that's one of the areas that, you know, we just need to be honest with ourselves and, and the church needs to be honest with, its, with itself and says, who is the focus here? Is Jesus the focus? Well, and I think sometimes when those situations have occurred where where maybe people begin to look to the, the senior leader too much, too highly, sometimes it's unintentional and sometimes it is intentional. Um Sometimes I think it's done unintentionally and, and just the way presentations of the gospel have been have been tailored. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see the preaching. A lot of times when you watch these programs, you don't see everything. You don't see the whole service. You, you, you just see the preaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so people get to the place to where uh, un- sometimes unintentionally 
people start looking too much to that. Now, also a cult of personality can be built intentionally as well. Uh, but the most dangerous thing that we can do as leaders in the body of Christ is to begin to take the glory of God, mm. take glory for what for what should rightfully be his, take his glory because, you know, he'll put up with a lot of foibles, uh, human weaknesses. He'll still travel with people. But when you get to the place where, you know, you start uh, taking the glory of God, the glory that's rightly due him, and you start taking it on yourself, then you're on a pretty short leash. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a an angelic figure that did that, and oh, well. uh, he was cast out. Yeah, I heard him. I heard you had him as a guest on one of your programs. <laughs> no, oh, I did oh, not. Good, I'm glad uh, you did. He he was a subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, a conversation piece, but okay, he great. is not a guest. Yeah. So oftentimes, I think that people, you know, think about this. Think about a time when a senior pastor goes on vacation and they have a guest speaker coming in. Mm -hmm. And uh, statistically speaking, attendance will be significantly less. It'll be reduced. So what does this say? Does this say, are they following the the personality or or what? Once again, preferences, brothers and Mm -hmm. sisters. That's what we need to be understanding, and we need to begin to get away from preferences. Every single one of us have likes and dislikes. But the value, the value of having a guest speaker in your church is uh, that they can confirm something to the listener. Okay, maybe the listener's been hearing something in their personal prayer time or personal study time. A guest speaker who doesn't know what's going on with that person can come in and say something and, and, and independently in concert with God, confirm that. Or maybe sometimes your pastor becomes like your parent and, and, and you know, you've listened to him so long that you're just kind of like, oh, well, he's going to love me no matter what. It's okay. But when somebody else comes in and says the same thing, it confirms what your pastor has said. So the Bible says out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And so I think skipping out on, on a guest speaker just because they're not your pastor uh, takes away a lot of things that we can we can get from God. Mm-hmm. And so we have a few minutes left here. Uh, the church is still in crisis. It's still in crisis. It's it's going to be in crisis. The Bible tells us it's going to get even worse. That many will fall away. Many are already falling away. They either drop out completely because they don't have the courage or the stamina to endure hardships. Or they shop churches like a car dealership. They look for specific models with their personal features that they that they like. And unfortunately, when churches cater to this type of me church culture, they end up becoming a stumbling block and they further the crisis. And so how do we as a church counter this crisis? Well, I think our motives, first and foremost, have to be right. They have to be for to, uh, to present Jesus and to do that for the glory of God. I think our definition of success has to be biblical. The fact that we are, uh, we are there to do the will of God, and, and that's our definition of success, is not have big crowds, not have anything like that. There's nothing wrong with that if it come, if God brings it, but that's not our motive. Our motive is is to to uh, do his will and then i think 
that the leader has to be intentional about teaching the people and has to ha, and teaching them about a real biblical life and uh, what it, the pathway is really going to be like, what God uses, and uh, and give them the real picture so that they're not under any illusions. Now that doesn't mean that everybody's going to come out of you know, they're thinking about the way things should be rather than the way they are. But I do think if we're more intentional about teaching the people uh, how God grows us, uh, what the church is like, uh, what God is looking for from us as, as his followers, then I think those things together will help us uh, to be able to avoid some of the mistakes we've made. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to remember that the church is not perfect. Uh, because humans are not perfect and if you find the perfect church the minute you step through the doors it just became imperfect so if you've been hurt or discouraged by the church join the club i mean uh, if you've been in church long enough you're gonna get hurt you're gonna be offended and so suck it up buttercup i mean you you got to keep going you got to keep moving moving forward because giving up on a church because you've been hurt or offended it's like you just give up driving because someone cut you off on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say if you haven't been hurt by the by the church, then you've not really been involved. Uh, because if you're going to get connected and get involved, you're going to eventually run across, uh, you know, uh, hurt and pain. So I think to wrap all of this up, uh, the crisis of the church can be summed up by saying that it really it boils down to the church attempting to be something that it was never intended to be. Um, and that's what has put the church in, in crisis. Now, whether that's convenient or culturally relevant, a money-making enterprise or any other, any, anything else that takes the place of God, um, that's, <laughs> that's what, what continues and furthers this crisis that we have. If it's anything other than a place where we gather to worship the Lord in spirit and truth and to serve one another, uh, then it's not fulfilling its purpose as the body of Christ. Everything else beyond that is just an add-on, and we need to be careful about the motivation behind these add-ons. You know, I like having coffee and breakfast uh, for fellowship reasons, and, you know, the first century church talked about getting together and breaking bread and eating meals together and singing songs together. I think that's that's great, but if it's anything else... Um, we really need to check our hearts and our motivations to make sure they line up with the Lord's. I agree 100%. You know, it's just not, it, it's not just about what are we doing. It's also about why are we doing what we're doing. And the problem is, is that sometimes we're not honest with ourselves about why we're really doing something because it's just as you said, Pastor Paul, all of our whys end up in doing this for the glory of God. Yes. Absolutely. That's really what it's all about. That's what the church is intended to be. So next time on Fringes of the Faith, we're going to explore what Jesus would say about defunding the police. Oh, my goodness. That ought to be good. That'll be an interesting topic. Yes. So until then, stay in the Word, stay alert, and be not deceived. We will be seeing you soon. We love you guys. Yeah.